on this episode of Quantum Week, May 7th through 13, 2000. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about movies and music and headlines. And today, uh, we're in May 2000 for Gladiator and I Try by Macy Gray. Right. Shall we get into our Patreon thanks first? Okay. Yes. Uh, thank you to Kevin F., Thomas W., Mark, and James H. You guys are great. Thank James you so much. James H. James H. All right. Uh, good. That's good. Thank you very much. Yeah, if, just a quick thing on Patreon. We haven't, I guess, talked about it in a little bit. Uh, so I know the holidays are coming up and there's not a lot of content out there. Um, so if you're looking for just extra shows, whatever, uh, it's it's $5 a month for the Patreon. You can search it, go to patreon.com, uh, whatever, and search, yep, Quantum, search Week. Quantum Week. And then uh, I think all of our, I believe all of our backloaded like uh, Patreon shows are there. Oh, yeah. So there's like seven extra Quantum Weeks. If you're like, I'm super bored, I want to listen to something. You can pay the $5 a month and then um, you get access to the shows and they're all just kind of sitting there waiting to be heard. So, um, yeah. yeah. And sometimes they're a little different than our regular show. Sometimes we go they're, off, they're uh, more casual, a little more casual. Yeah. Yeah. It's still um, fun. We talk a little bit more like I don't know, inside baseball with the podcast or kind of like where we're, you know, where we're trying to make it grow or just, or just kind of how we're just kind of assessing the week at large usually um, as far as the podcast is concerned. So yeah, uh, if that's something you're interested in and, uh, or if you just kind of said, well, just looking for content, there's some pretty good movies in there. Rocky three, uh, hello, high water. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other good ones in there that um, we were excited to talk about. And uh, I think are, are pretty decent episodes. In fact, some of the episodes I think are pretty good. They are. Um, yeah, so check it out. It's like that's the five dollar a month thing, and that gets you all, all those episodes. Right. Uh, also, wanted to say that we are sponsored by Two Tours. Um, I talked about this before, but you know, every week my wrist keeps getting stronger and stronger after I fractured it over the summer. Uh, you know, I keep like doing my exercises and pushing it, the flexibility and the strength. I've even started playing music again, and it had been a while. Like I hadn't played guitar in a long time. I started strumming again, um, and also I've been playing a lot of like keyboard stuff. I have a full um, eighty-eight key keyboard like you know very nicely weighted keyboard that i i do a lot of recording with i've been starting to do that again my wrist is holding up but it still gets sore so i've been using my two tour salve you know every day trying to you know trying to keep the the pain down um so that i can you know keep doing all these things and, and rehabbing the the wrist so that's really helped me a lot and i know two tours helped you particularly last night because you're yeah. a fucking mess this morning save the day yeah it did <laughs> i uh i'm a mess this morning <laughs> you still, are a mess. Still, still sharp and funny than you're gonna be in your entire life <laughs> right uh i know i'm right uh yeah no i was uh a struggle last night with just get, getting to i was just watching the clock and it was like you know it hits like 245 and you're like fuck i gotta so i knew i had to get up early for matt and i was late today matt early is right is uh, like 10 o'clock in the morning, by the way. Well, no, it means getting here at 10. It means I got to get up at 9. Uh, you were here at 1045. Today. I know. I said <laughs> I, I was late. I know. All right, man. man. Good old Matt. It's fun doing a show with Matt. I'm sure, yes. I'm sure you guys are all really envious of my spot. Uh, and yeah, it was just like, fucking, I, I'm like, oh, I, let's try the CBD out again. And sure enough, I think I'm five for five now with it working. I was asleep in half an hour. Really? Yeah. That's like it, pretty it, quick. It, I was pretty awake when I took it because I was like, fuck, um, I'm really awake. It's really late. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if it's just kind of like the season, it's getting like, it's dark all the time and I'm just kind of like bummed out. I don't, I usually on Saturday mornings, I was getting up early for tennis. I don't sure. have that anymore because yeah. we, it's outside and the courts are covered in snow. 
So I had no reason to get up early on Saturday. So now my sleep cycle is getting all fucked up. And thankfully, this, the CBD oil really, it saved the day. Again. Maybe you should try it a little, <laughs> maybe you should try it a little bit earlier tonight. Maybe a nice uh, 1130 uh, at uh, night. Uh, well, I'm going to watch, you know, I, I watch football. Yeah, that's right. I know you don't. Matt, Matt doesn't watch football. Uh, I do. And, uh. It's like some sort of weird shot that yeah. <laughs> went nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Matt doesn't watch this thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I like to throw shots. And uh, no, I, I actually, all kidding aside though, I really, I really might like around like one, cause I don't like to go to bed super early anyway, but maybe one thirty, I might. Yeah. Just do I it. I might just do it. Even if I'm like, in, cause I've been taking it lately when I'm in like the trouble zone. Yeah. And but I'm maybe in, before. Yeah. I know. So that way you, the Cause, stress cause and the anxiety it around it won't be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, tutors.com promo yep. codes QW. Yeah, for 10% off, free shipping, support the show, support a great company, tutors.com. Ah, yeah. Shall we move into Gladiator? Yes. I give this movie a B minus. Okay, yeah, we're in the same, same ballpark. I'm yeah. going to give it a B. Um, I know this is going to be controversial because people, I've seen a few people comment already that they, this is like top five movie for them. Yeah, that's a strange take. I um, think so. So, yeah, let's, let's just over, I, I want to just do this quick off the top. Okay. Here. So, um, it sounds like me and you are on the same page as this movie. We think it's probably good, not great. Good, not there's it's it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I'd say it's yeah, yeah. It's some like it's a it's a simple movie. It really is. Yeah, it's not like the the bad guy is very bad. Yeah, that's and the, the good guy is very good. That's every you know one dimensional. You got the hero and yes. the villain, right. both one dimensional. Um, so this is a weird time in general. The year two thousand. So we're in the year two thousand. This yeah. is our fan pick because they want us to watch Battlefield Earth. Yeah, because our fans hate us. Thanks, guys. Just nice. No, um, we're doing that on Saturday. <laughs> uh, but this was the number one movie. Uh, it was Gladiator in May of two thousand. So, um, hmm. so I have some thoughts about this time period too. You, well, is that where you wanted to start? Kind you, of. You just... Yeah, I want to talk about big and slowly shrink down. Okay. So, um, I think this is a weird time. Okay. So it's right before nine eleven, right? So. I wonder if this is what it was like in like 1940, 1941. When the like studios right had a lot of Paul control? Harbor. What's that? When the studios had a lot of control? No, I'm talking about not movie. I'm talking about like just life. Oh, just okay. the world. I see. Like it's, it feels, when I look back at this time, like 2000 or 2001, it almost feels like, um, it's this weird, like I said, it's right before 9-11 when everything kind of changed and shifted. Yeah. And, but it's not the 90s anymore. And it, it just feels, and maybe it's just how I break down my life or break down the decades of my life, but I just feel like it's this really odd time. And it was even an odd time for movies. So I'm like, I didn't really, so the movie that, this one, Best Picture. Yeah, it did. Okay, Traffic was the number two, one Best Director. It, it, yeah. it was the runner up. And both of those movies are, are okay. They're, I think Traffic's a little better. Do you really? Yeah, I like Traffic a little bit more, but it's mm. not great. So I'm like, well, what are my five favorite movies from this, this year? Right. And my five favorite movies are this. And none of these movies, meanwhile, were nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Castaway is my number one. Yeah. Requiem for a Dream. Exactly, yes. Snatch. Almost Famous. Yeah. And Unbreakable. Yeah. And none of those movies were nominated for Best Picture. It's crazy. So some, um, one of them got, didn't Requiem get, some, was nominated for something. Well, yeah, uh, Ellen Burstein. Okay, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best yeah. Actress. Um, but you're right in, in terms of the best actor, but none of those but movies not on the were film level, right? And Snatch only got anything. None of those movies were nominated, uh, neither Unbreakable uh, for Best yeah. Picture. Yeah. So it's like, all right, you know, so it almost feels like the best pictures were like kind of like the next tier. Yeah, you had Gladiator, Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I like a lot I don't and like you it don't, at all. but it's a great film. Um, Aaron Brockovich, which isn't bad, but yeah, I don't think okay. is in that same yeah. and you then, know, and realm. Traffic. And then Traffic. You're right. Unbreakable is better. Requiem for a Dream is better. I don't remember Snatch much. Um, Castaway is better. 
And Almost Famous is better. And Almost Famous is better. And it's funny, if you look at it too, even looking at it from a long... Now, Gladiator is the exception to this, but, uh, you know, movies like Castaway, um, Snatch is a cult favorite, but Almost Famous, Unbreakable, those movies have had a longer lifespan. They have. Um, Requiem too. I mean, people talk about Requiem way more than people talk about some of the other movies on that list right. that, that were nominated for Best Picture. Um, so it, it's just it's just an odd movie year. I don't know if the oddness is also is because it's just an odd time in history. Uh, like this definitely, do, like 90s filmmaking feels very different. Like 90s filmmaking is, it does. Is, is much better. Yeah. This is not a particularly great year for movies. And then this is that weird, that weird bridge. And I said, I wonder if this is, I always wonder what it was like to live in 1940, 1941 before Pearl Harbor. Like, what was that like? Cause you know, that's a little different cause you know, the war's coming. Right. Like it's just, it's yeah, a you can see train. it happening it's in like, Europe. It's, and, gonna, yeah, right. it's a matter of when, obviously Pearl Harbor was a surprise, but it's a matter of when this is going to happen. Um, where nine 11 was, was a, you know, was a, you know, kind of, kind a, of out of nowhere, at least for us. Yeah, yeah, it was, but we probably should have seen it coming. And it was still was a strange thing. Cause in 2000, you had the Bush Gore stuff. Yeah. And then 2001, I remember that summer was so strange. There was nothing going on. And like you had the Gary Condit stuff, but it was like, it was like, but it was like this weird, like lull. Yes. And yeah. it almost feels like 2000, 2001 is like a lull yeah. of like everything, whether it be movies, TV culture. Yeah. Yeah. I f- music. I feel like it's just a strange time. So, um, yeah. So I guess that's kind of where I'm coming at it. So guided to me is that next tier of good movies. It, it's not a great movie. It's, it's, it's I agree. okay. And yeah. I'm kind of watching. I'm kind of shocked. I'm like, why is this so widely regarded? I think I liked it better when I watched it the first time when it first came out. I'd never seen it. How's that for a confession? You've never seen this no. movie? What? I don't like these kind of movies. Actually, I liked it more than I thought it would. You don't, I don't like, like historical the, uh, epics? The sandals and swords. Yeah. Shit. Like I, I, oh yeah. You haven't seen Troy either. I haven't seen 300. I haven't seen uh-huh. Troy. Man. I just don't, this, those things don't appeal to me. I see. All right. Well, we'll probably get to those but too. I actually liked it better than I thought. This, I like this better it's, than I thought I would. It's not bad. It has some real problems. Oh, I mean, some real problems. first of all, Russell Crowe, I think does good, not great. And again, he's, so he wins um, best actor. Right. Tom Hanks is better nominated. Tom Hanks is uh, way better. Ed Harris uh, in Pollock is better. That's a good film. And he's really good as Pollock. He is. So, uh, you know, Jeffrey Rush, don't remember Quills uh, and Javier Bardem. I didn't see the, the um, before Night Falls film, but he's, you know, Javier Bardem is usually really great. I don't, I, but he's Russell Crowe is the third best actor here. So one of I mean, my Tom issues Hanks and Castaway, and I know why Tom Hanks didn't win. I get it. It's because he had won in 90, sure. you know, 93, 94. So they're like, all right, that's we, such a bullshit move. I know. Give it to the best. I agree. I mean, I looking back on it, I, I, I think that they would, if you could do a redo gladiator, maybe still wins best picture. Cause if this movie does have people love this movie. They do. Yeah. Like, they it do. has had a long lifespan. Like yeah. it's, it's done well. Um, but I think people would agree Hanks is better than Crow. Yeah, so it has problems. I even like even I, Joaquin Phoenix. This isn't his best either. I think he's okay. Uh, the best character is probably um, what's her name? Um, oh God, we disagree pretty strongly. I'm not saying she was great. I'm saying that's she's probably te- the, she's not good. She's fine. Connie Nielsen's not a good actress. Yeah, but I think that that character is that has the most depth of any of the I other guess, characters. I think it's a real problem. So I see. I guess I kind of disagree a little bit about a couple things. So Joaquin, first off, Crow I think is actually pretty good. He's yeah, but I don't think he's great. Not compared to the other ones. Yeah, Hanks, but, but, but should he have been nominated though? Maybe. Maybe nominated. Maybe. Yeah. Um, especially in a weaker year. Uh, I think Phoenix is, is pretty good. I think they got lucky with him. I mean, that's a lottery ticket. You you happen to have one of the generational talents 
in a supporting role because you you know you casted the right guy. Sure. That's a that's a lucky break. Yeah. Um and I think he's pretty good. He's that character right. sucks. It's not character written sucks. well. Yeah. Uh and then Connie Nielsen, I think that character actually is written is is a more interesting like you were saying, a more interesting way, character. Yeah, way more depth. She's terrible. She's uh, she's, she's fine. boring as fucking paint dry. She is hmm. no good. Yeah. So imagine Diane Lane in that role. Oh, way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Like that's yeah. where they should have gone. They should have. You know, something like that. There, there are other actresses that you could have had anyone play that role. True. I mean, Jennifer Connelly, I know she she did Requiem that same year, but I mean that was a pretty short shoot. What if Jennifer Connelly's in that role? Way better. Way better. Yeah. I know they, they would team up and do a beautiful mind the next year. How about the stretch for Crow? He's in the he's the lead actor in the best picture. Um, for Gladiator, and the following year is lead actor for Best Picture in that's right. for Mind. That's yeah. that's a crazy, crazy run. He he had a run uh, in the early two thousands. Yeah. Oh, it's it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. But he had for you know he had a good ten year run. Yeah, was he did really really strong. Maybe even shorter. Maybe uh, yeah, I guess. So I I saw him, Crow. Um, uh, I was at a Jimmy Fallon taping back when Jimmy Fallon was doing uh the Seth Meyers spot. Yeah. So back when Jay had the thank you. Uh, back when he had the Tonight Show spot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was in New York. It was like 2013, 2012. Yep. It was when, um, it was when uh, Superman, Man of Steel movie came out. Oh, right. He was promoting that. And he is a, he is a, He's a, a big massive guy. Yeah. Like Jimmy Fallon is like a normal size guy. And like Russell Crowe was just like, just even watching him sit in that chair, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing, yeah, yeah. doing that show. Like he could barely almost kind of fit in a chair. He was just a massive. He's a big dude. And it wasn't, I know he's gotten, he's gotten heavier and some of it, I'm sure, was you know the drinking and the lifestyle. Sure, but but, but here he's not that like he's fit. Here he's incredibly yeah, fit. So that, right. I guess that's also part of the problem for him is that he was so fit, and then now he's like a more normal, yeah, like body, like a dad bod kind he's of situation. An older guy, yeah, right. He's 56 now, like right. But people now, oh, Russell Crowe is fat. Like when I saw him, I wouldn't say I would never have called that guy fat, but I'd say he was big. He's big. Um, it was just a big, just a. Uh, but he was actually he was really um, so between commercial breaks and stuff. Like he hung around and stuff and talking to, to Jimmy and, but he seemed like a super chill, like not give a fuck guy. He was really, I was like, Oh, this is not a Hollywood guy. Yeah. Like this is a really interesting guy. And I've gone to, you know, I've met some people doing comedy or I've gone to some tapings or whatever, or just, and just, you know, randomly walk around New York. You see celebrities like Julianne Moore. She's like completely out to lunch. She's like this oh. dithering yes. person. that could barely walk in the sidewalk. And then, um, you know, but Russell Crowe is like, seemed like a really down for someone who's had the success seemed like really down to earth, seemed really complex and interesting. And it's like, Oh, this, 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 there's a lot to this guy. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why you like one likes him so much. I agree. Is that comes across on screen it really too, does. a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's very likable. He's and so I think he's good, a good in actor. Cinderella man. That's he my is. favorite Russell Crowe movie. He is really he's good. So good. That. That's, a, that's such a good movie. Yeah. That's another one. Like never got nominated. No, that Munich, those right. movies, uh, I know Russell Crowe's not in that, but yeah. I put that in that genre of movies that never got the right, Munich I know got nominated, but um, they never got the right attention they deserved. And yeah. Cinderella Man, I put with that, and a big reason is because of Crowe's performance. Yeah. Yeah, he's really and good he's, in that. And that's why I think he's good in this. He is good. This, I just this don't think he's just not well written. No, it's not. Which is crazy because it won best, best screenplay. I do like the performances of some of the, um, you know, some of the the other cast members, like, uh, like, um, Richard Harris and Oliver Reed, I think. I mean, Richard Harris, I always like him, you know. Richard from Harris, un- a fr- fr- friend just, of the show, he, obviously. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we're going to invite him in. Is he dead? He's dead. Yeah, yeah he died. Yeah, yeah he died. Uh, Oliver Reed again. Doing uh, the Harry Potter shit, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Oliver Reed died in the middle of the filming. Yeah, so this, is a, this was the thing. So but I think he's really good too. He's okay. I like him. He's, he's a mess. So Oliver Reed. Uh, <laughs> he's okay. He's a mess. Well, Oliver's a mess. Like, so he played Fagin in the Oliver Twist mm-hmm. movies, uh, movie in the, in the late 60s, Oliver. 
uh, and uh, huge drunk, like famous drunk, oh. like the most, the craziest drunk, like um, like Richard yeah. Burton level, like yeah, yeah. the drunkiest drunks in Hollywood history. And um, he, so uh, Ridley Scott wanted to use him in this role. And he's like, listen, Oliver, you know, you got to keep it together. Buddy. You got, yeah, you can't, he's like, all right, I won't drink during the, during the production. And he, he got around it by just going on the weekends and getting fucking destroyed. <laughs> so he's at this bar one night with one of the cast members. I think he, I think it might've been the big giant slave guy. Oh uh, yeah. I think it was him. Uh, yes. Um, I, I might be wrong, but it was one of the cast members who wasn't a, um, a big star. Was it like, uh, was it, I don't know. Like Jamin Husso is that? Sure. That guy? Yeah. It, who do you think it was? But German, who's not the big black guy, the big, oh, the big no, German I, guy. Not, yeah, I have no idea yeah, you're talking well, about. German and so has been nominated for two Academy Awards. Well, I don't know I you said his name. I mean, this is a, more of an extra. The big guy. So, someone who, the big giant slave, the white guy, the big giant slave. Yeah, that would be Rafe Moeller. Sure, it doesn't matter who it is. I really don't know who oh, it is. Oh, he was good. I, I, he Poor was Rafe. Great. This is Matt's, Matt's trying to be comical. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell the story. Uh, so Oliver Reed, <laughs> Matt throws his hands in the air. He hates when I do that. Uh, so Oliver Reed's at this bar with this, this kind of, you know, it's this, this not nobody, but you know, so not, not Russell Crowe. And uh, he's getting fucking shit faced, like insane degree. He, he then challenges five younger guys in their thirties to arm wrestling. What? He, he's getting complete. And then that, uh, that I think he died. He had a heart attack or something. Yeah, he had a heart attack on the way home from the bar. Fucking, that's ridiculous. And then now it's like, fuck, because the movie is not done. He, they're on, he, they're in production. Yeah. That's yeah, why yeah. he's out with this actor. Like the movie's like two right. thirds of the way done. It spent $2.3 million. No, $3.2 million. 3.2 yes, on, on putting his face <laughs> right. on like extras. It, it actually works pretty. They do it. It does pretty, look bad. Pretty, it's not like, um, Livia Soprano in season, uh, three when they, like they put her face. Like, I just, that is the worst job I've ever seen in my life. Uh, after she died, they had her in two episodes and it is a train wreck. Yeah. Um, this actually, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, it didn't look bad. Um, yeah. But I wonder if they had to cut some things out because of it. I, I didn't, I didn't see. Well, it did. did they? Uh, it, he was supposed to live at the end. Oh. That character is not supposed to die. Yeah, I was. I was actually upset that he died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what how that translates to the end of the movie. Like, was there some certain? You know, was there a dialogue? Was it supposed to be him and not um, Hansu at the end of the movie? Like, I don't know that. I don't know. But, right. But uh, you know, yeah. No, there was definitely stuff that he that didn't happen because of that. And um, Russell Crowe and him didn't get along on set. Cause he's a fucking drunk. He's yeah. And so Russell Crowe had a really interesting quote about it. Once again, Russell Crowe is really fascinating. So he said, uh, they asked him at Olive Reed. He's like, honestly, like me and him just never got along. And the guy's like kind of a jerk. Like, but since he died, he's visited me in my dreams and he's apologized, but I still have nothing nice to say about him. <laughs> 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 that's, funny. That's, that's pretty good, right? Jesus. I can imagine like Russell Crowe seems like a professional. And so if you've got, you know, some guy who's acting unprofessionally, which drunk or, you know, just kind of a jerk or hung over, you know, then I could see why he would be annoyed by that. I would be annoyed. I by mean, that Russell Crowe did. I mean, well, it's, you know, he's not the most professional guy. He did, you know, fuck Meg Ryan while she's married on the movie he did right before this one. I guess there was that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, but professional on set. <laughs> sure yeah no i mean he by all accounts he he is yeah, i guess right yeah. um what was that what was that the proof of life yeah movie? that's what she was with dennis quaid and then oh. they uh and he was with his what would end up being his future wife um just his girlfriend at the time and then he both of them dumped their partners got together and then that didn't work because meg yeah, ryan was completely it. out 
right. you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. crazy, especially that was like crazy Meg Ryan. Yeah. And then, um, never be America's sweetheart is the moral there. <laughs> and then, um, they broke up and then they, uh, Meg Ryan went and she's, she's been with other guys, but she, Russell Crowe went back to that girlfriend. They got married and now they, they did get divorced. Ah, uh, yeah. well, you know, when some lose some, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, other issues with this movie. Why the fuck did Lucilla not send Lucius away to like summer camp? You know, when she knows she's going to plot to kill the emperor. That's so stupid. You would never put your kid in harm's way like that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. That it's doesn't make sense. You would, it's, you get, no. Yeah. Or just have them, just have them be under guard, under watch. The other thing is, do you, this was like a poor man's brave heart. Don't you think like it's just, so I had my, uh, Ebert had issues with the Coliseum scenes. I didn't have as much issues with that, with the action of the Coliseum. Well, they're ridiculous. Scenes. It's a cartoon. It was. Yeah. But I actually had more issues with the first fight scene when they're in Germany. It makes um, no, it's crazy. So he's a general. He's a general. And he's now going to orchestrate this weird and totally unnecessary sneak attack. Yeah. Why even do this? It doesn't, it, I didn't get it. What is the point of it? Like they're going to win anyway. It's like, gonna win. they have like sticks and like, yeah, you've got full fucking catapults armor and, and armor shields. And and, yeah. It's like, they're literally, they're literally barbarian. That's what they're called. They're like, they're like these, like yeah. they, they can't, they're like wood people. Yeah. <laughs> like why even do, and you do a sneak attack with like eight guys. Right. I know. I know. Yeah. Eight what guys the, what, on horses. It didn't make sense that you go around. Yeah. You're really putting yourself in harm's way. You just march the fucking army the straight general? through. And he's the general. It's like Norman Schwarzkopf going in like Baghdad. <laughs> and like, like, like you're going to win anyway. And plus, I don't really see the general doing that. This, it, it's no. just so stupid. It's, I mean, this movie's pretty like, if you like this movie, that's great. But if this is like your top mm, tier movies, seems a little weird. Yeah. It's not, that's not like a, it's not a great sign of, you know, wild intelligence. <laughs> oh, I, I, no. I, I might get some heat for that. I'm Do sorry. Better. You might say, Hey, I enjoy this movie as an escape. Yeah, Rick. exactly. That's fine. That's what this is. But if you're like, no, this movie really speaks to me or something like that. It's like, well, I don't know. Like you, you must not, you must, it's not a lot upstairs potentially. You also don't have the same heart as Braveheart. That, I, that, that was my comparison. You don't have the same payoff as Braveheart. You know, that Braveheart. Yeah. He sacrificed. So both, both hero, you know, heroes yes. die in both. Right. And in Braveheart, you have like the payoff of him inspiring his whole country to say fuck you to their oppressors. And and, and in this one, you don't. You have some senator coming out and saying, okay. Well, well it's so ridiculous. So uh, Russell Crowe at the very end of the movie, he gets, you know, he, he dies. But before he dies, he's able to give very clear instructions yes. on exactly what he wants to happen. Yes. It's just mad. Like, it's, that's why I, I saw people, uh, you know, if, if you go on the Wikipedia page or if you talk to anyone, they're like, hey, you know, just so you know, this movie's not historically accurate. Like no fucking shit. No shit. So he's a fucking cartoon. <laughs> no one's saying it's accurate. No one thinks this. No one watches this movie and thinks this is at all accurate. If you, that's not a concern. Right. That's why I feel like I know Ridley's got got some heat for it. It's like, but it's yeah, it's just a fiction. Who watched this thinking it's real? Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, speaking of Ridley, he was kind of in a. He had some tough tough movies right before this. Like this put him back on top box office wise, but right before this. Um, he did, he did, he lost money on 1492. Yes, that was a disaster. Lost money on White Squall, which isn't a bad film, but lost money. Uh, lost money on G.I. Jane. Three back to back. Yeah, G.I. Jane didn't work. G.I. Jane. I thought it was pretty good, actually. G.I. Jane. I seen it forever. Really was, that really hurt Demi Moore's career. Like, that really put her in a bad spot. I wonder why that is, though. I don't think anyone wants to see her bald. So it's about how she looked because there are plenty of and like, like in look the at Charlie Theron. She'll do she'll do like uh, you know where she, where she hides. She'll do movies where she hides her beauty. A lot of a but lot do you of. Do want to see Demi Moore in the art? Is there really a, like a like that you're gonna plunk down 
you know, ten dollars to go see Demi Moore in the army? Like that's not appealing to me. I guess not. But like Goldie Hawn did it in Private Benjamin, but it worked because yeah. it was oh, funny. Yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, this is I, w- I yeah, want to see Goldie Hawn be Goldie Hawn and be goofy and funny. Demi Moore being serious in the army, like that's not an appealing movie. She, she probably wanted to win an Oscar though. She probably wanted to to you know, I'm a serious actress. <sighs> I don't know. think I was ever gonna win uh, well, Ridley Scott. I, I don't I, I I agree with that. I think it was more to be taken as a serious actress. Yeah. Which also Demi Moore as a serious actress doesn't really work. No, like, I can't really like think of Samuel's too many. Samuel's fire doesn't really work. No. Like she's not a serious actress. Oh, I mean, well, famously we did the ghost. Uh, the, well, okay, there was ghost. That was better than what did she do after uh, the um, the one with Woody Harrelson? Um, oh, it is a proposal, right? right. Now it's a right, Ugh. and like, but like when she's doing something like striptease, it's more fun. She's playful and fun. It's yeah. good. But yeah. when she's like this super, super serious, serious, it's like oh, I'm good. And audiences didn't go see it, and right, and it hurt Ridley Scott. It really hurt Demi Moore. Because you figure Ridley Scott's coming off those before those movies you mentioned, he's coming off Delma and Louise, which we covered a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, which was successful. And that was of a, huge, a huge hit. Yeah, it's pretty wild. The same guy directed that directed this. Because those are two that that shows his. He's got a lot of range, actually. A- Alien. Yeah. Like, take those three movies. Those are three very different. different movies. Or the Duel. Have you ever seen the Duelist? You should see that movie no. with Harvey Keitel. And it was his first one film. Oh um, uh, yeah. With Keitel and and uh, Carradine, which Carradine can't remember, but uh, that's really underrated. Good film. And they're wildly different. All all of these are. Or even Legend. Legend is another one that's out there. Yeah. I know probably don't like that, no. which is fine, but it's still... It's a, it's a credit to him. Yeah, he does a lot of cool stuff. I, I like, you know, I also you know don't, how I feel about him. I mean, Alien is the best of those movies, and I do like that movie a lot, but I don't, I don't know if I, like, personally... Like, I respect its greatness. Yeah. I don't know if I personally love any Ridley Scott movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know I do. Yeah. Between Alien and... And you like Blade Runner, too. Blade Runner. Yeah, it's it's awesome. pretty crazy that Blade Runner did this. I know. This is too, I give him credit. He's, he's very diverse with yeah. his film selections. Yeah, and his shooting style in a lot of ways. Yeah, and The Martian too, which is another good that, one. That's probably my favorite one. Okay, that movie, yeah, that, that's my favorite. Another good style. one. Yeah. He's he's good with sci-fi. He does sci-fi with a lot of heart, like with uh, with a lot of depth. It's yeah. not just throw well, away like cartoons. He gets, he gets lucky and gets great actors to be in sci-fi too. Well, but it's I mean, also Sigourney Weaver, Matt Damon. It's pretty good. I know, but it's also a credit to him that people want to work with him. It is. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, he got lucky with Sigourney Weaver. He that, did. That yeah. was just a lottery ticket. But yeah. um, right. I mean, you know, you know Harrison Ford. You know. He's earned his, oh, Harrison Ford, another, right. Yeah. I mean, you get these kind of AA-level actors to be in sci-fi, you're going to... It helps. And I guess Russell Crowe here, too, you could probably consider him that. Of, yeah, he wasn't... Was he A-list here? Pretty close. Mm. He certainly was after this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so was... And Joaquin Phoenix, that's good casting. Right. He has an eye for... He has an eye for um, getting people right before they're about to go big. Um, he did it with Sigourney and did it, did it here. Yeah. Uh, with Joaquin. Um, yeah, this movie... Uh, anything else in this movie? Nope. B minus. Not bad. In like I was I enjoyed it. Uh, but I, I you know, some problems and should not have won these awards. Like that's that's the biggest issue for me is like it it, it shouldn't it doesn't hold up um no. you know to some of these other films. It, it really doesn't. Um I, I have I have I, I, I do have one issue that I wanted to go over real quick. I know we talked about the Oscars already. Mm. Uh, I want to talk about best screenplay, because this is like what happened here. Right. Because this is best original screenplay. Right. Because, you know, it's sort of based off some legit characters and some things in the time period, but it's, it's yeah, still fiction. Yeah, I guess fiction. it took place like, what, 180 AD? So, yeah. Um, and I, I didn't mind how we kind of set that world up. I felt like I was integrated in that world. So I think that part was, was pretty well done. Um, I'm pulling up the, uh, the nominees here for best original screenplay. It's Billy Elliot. Okay, he didn't win. I lied. He, they lost. Thank God. Almost famous one for best original screenplay. That's right. Billy Elliot. Aaron Brockovich, Gladiator, and you can count on me. Um, almost famous screenplay is very good. It is very good. That's Cameron Crowe's yep. um, 
high watermark of his career. I mean, yeah. he has Jerry Maguire, but nah. Almost Famous is a better movie. It is a better um, movie. Uh, and Traffic won for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, and that wasn't even, I mean, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was better. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, better screenplays. I put, yeah, I put Oh Brother, Art Thou with them um, in that I, same, like, I know you don't like that, the yeah, quirky. Tier. Yeah, I, I really like with, with this. I really like that one. That one, that one's a good one. I really like, uh, in, in terms of the Coens, I know you're, you're, you're down on, on the quirky Coens, but I, I really like that one. So yeah, once again, Castaway, Requiem for a Dream, Snatch, Almost Famous, Unbreakable. Watch those movies. Go watch those movies. Don't watch Gladiator again. Or watch it, but it's, it's fine. It's okay. It's, fine. it's just fine. I guess, uh, I guess that's all that we need to say about them. Let's about- talk about cookies for breakfast. Let's do that. Uh, so we have a new sponsor for the next few episodes here. It's cookies for breakfast. It's a podcast mm. it's hosted by spark Tabor. Um, his tag for it is pleasure. Excuse me. His tag for it is pursuit of pleasure podcast. Um, it covers everything from pop culture to current events to sex. Many episodes um, are out there already. I want to talk about his most two most recent episodes. Cause I think it's stuff that's right up our audience's ladder. Yeah. Um, so the most recent one he has is holiday songs and he, he brings on a couple people on and they, uh, they talk about all sorts of holiday songs. So it's very music sure. centric. So I think that might be something that might speak to our audience. Uh, he has another one. The one right before that is let me pitch you a movie. And he kind of runs through a movie idea he has and kind of like <laughs> builds like a screenplay, like yeah. in real time. Yeah. Um, and it's cookies for breakfast. It's spark Tabor. Um, I think if you, I know it's like holiday. We talked about it at the top of the show, but with holiday season coming up, there's like nothing. There's not a ton of content nothing going um, on. You know, really, even even beyond podcasts, like on TV. Or, I mean, I know Wonder Woman's coming out in movies, but other than that, it just feels kind of like it's a very and then dead mix time. all this in with COVID, sure. and there's just there's just nothing to do. So uh, I know I know I'm looking for always looking for new stuff to listen to. So Cookies for Breakfast, hosted by Spark Tabor. Um, check it out. Uh, I said the most recent episode is the holiday songs. I think that. It's right up our audience's alley. Yeah. Uh, you can find them on Spotify, Apple, uh, Anchor, um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you should be able to find cookies for breakfast. Macy Gray, I try. I remember like I feeling like I didn't. I know this was a this was a big hit. It was yes, uh, number huge. five on um, uh, on Billboard's Hot 100, but it hit like the number one top 40 and a bunch of other charts and worldwide too. Hit a bunch of charts. It was number one in like Ireland, Britain, all sorts of places. And but I still didn't feel like I heard it all the time. I think maybe because of the stations I was listening to. Yeah. So so I kind of have this feeling like oh good, I get to listen to this song because I'm not totally bored with it. Where other people who were more in tune with the top 40 then probably like heard way too much. I heard a lot of this song. Yeah. And um, so I like, there's a part that really speaks. It's, it's the, uh, uh, like that, that vocal line is kind of a neat one. Yeah. Just, you know, it's right down this sort of major triad, but um, yeah, it sort of always kind of speaks to me. But now when I was listening to it again today, I'm like, I really, I don't care about the song at all. This isn't that good. It's fine. She sounds like a crazy person. She does. So I kind of enjoy that. It's like a comic element to it for me. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, 
it's an odd because even I think one of the lyrics is like, like I'm I'm doing all right or something. It's like no, yeah. you're not. You no, you sound like you're insane. <laughs> um, the video is fun because like it's her just like kind of going around. It's actually really well done. The video, yeah. Um, it's her kind of just going around New York, uh, and then eventually looking meet, for a dude, looking for her boyfriend or something. Yeah. And then she finds him and she's like really over the top happy about it. And you're like, this is insane. And then she wakes up and you realize it's a dream and she's alone. Maybe this person had died or something had happened. Right. Um, and it did, and the video doesn't hold your hand too much. It kind of just lets you kind of just like breathe in that moment. It's like, yeah. you can assume whatever you want happened here. Um, but just seeing her be kind of like Basie gray, crazy in New York is kind of fun. Cause she just seems crazy. She does seem crazy. And it, and it doesn't, I mean, to her credit. So what's can, so this is by far her like biggest yes. song, by far her biggest uh, album. How it is is the album name, um, and it's so it's kind of a testament to pop culture that they reward things that are different. And so obviously the compelling part about her is her voice. Like that doesn't she sounds like I mean she's a very Billie Holiday inspired. This, I but no one was that, really. I don't, I don't, no, I, she sounds. She sounds like Holiday. Does yeah, she sort of do? muted trumpet. Yeah, very yeah. Muppety muted trumpet. Or yeah. even Dizzy Gillespie ish, like the way that he would sing. All right, I guess I don't. Have, I don't make that same connection. Other people do, so I know I'm kind of yeah. missing the boat here. But yeah, she's she's definitely got that. Okay. Um, but that's kind of the only thing about it that's unique. Uh, besides that, everything else is. It's like the people that would like her, like Cheryl Crow, or the people that like her, like Nora Jones. It's kind of that style. There's not a lot of. It doesn't hurt you to listen to. Doesn't really do that much. Um, but to her credit, she's got a little bit more personality than kind of either of them because of her weird voice. But it's also kind of a curse because she's not particularly talented. She doesn't. She can't do a lot with that voice. This is this is kind of what she can do. Yeah, and she can do it pretty well. She doesn't have a big range. Right, right, right. She can't really emote very much to do that. Like it's it's sort of that. It, when you listen to her, you're like, that hurts. It's like listening to Rod Stewart. It's like listening to him. You're, yeah, you're, right. This guy's super raspy. How the fuck is he not like, it's, it's like razor blade, blade throat, you yes. know? It's like a cigarettes for years and fucking alcohol, like hard alcohol uh, and razor blades or something. Because it, it, it sounds like it really hurts. But so she's kind of doing as much as she could possibly do. Like, there's not much more that she can do than this. You know what I mean? That's that's my sense when I listen to her. Yeah, I mean, and it's proven by her career. So she's gone on to be kind of just a celebrity. So she's like did Dancing with the Stars and she's like, she's become like now like Macy Gray. Like that's what like she the, is. The, like the, the, per, the, the personality. The personality. No like, yeah. like Macy Gray, the singer. I know she still does records and stuff, but yeah. like, no, I mean, no one really talks about her in that regard. Now, like you'll see her play herself in movies. You'll see her She's become like a character. Yes, like she is definitely a character. But the songs, like her being on the radio again, is like that's that's long gone, long gone. And like, but I guess that maybe how are you can make it work? I guess I mean, you can still be even mildly relevant twenty years after your one hit wonder thing is up. Like, oh, good for you. Yeah, I guess. good for you. So that's phase one. Okay, phase two I like a lot better. That sounds more appropriate to me. So in 2016, Macy Gray decides that she's an artiste. Okay. And she, Just um, before or after Dancing with the Stars. I don't know. I don't know that timeline. <laughs> Probably after. I think dance, I think that was, I don't know. I, I don't know. I never watched that shit, but no, uh, I mean, I, you're I, the cultural hero. You I should know. know what I, I know. Stuff is. And she got knocked out the very first episode, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she decides she's an artiste. Okay. And, um, and she 
records, she leaves her out, her studio, her, she leaves her, her uh, record company because she wants to record a particular way and they don't want to do it. They're like, if you, if you go down this road, you're, you're done. You're done. So she leaves her, her record company because she wants to do a bi, it's a binaural, um, binaural recording. Okay. What does that mean? Binaural is, okay, so picture, that's also called a dummy head recording. Picture this. You put this mannequin in the middle of a, you know, a theater, okay. like a, a music theater, right? So, um, like sort of, yeah, midway through in, in, the, in the middle. Okay. And the band plays on stage and this dummy, um, in its head, they put two microphones, one on each ear. And what it does is it, is it supposed to really replicate what it's like to, to be live in that setting. Oh, all right. And now most people will say, well, why don't you just put, you know, when you record live, usually still close mic everything. So every instrument would have microphones on it. Um, you know, and you would, you would grab the recording off there, but then you'd also have some, some, um, some microphones in the crowd too. You'd get like a stereo recording from there. So you get the crowd noise and you would sort of blend those things in there. So you get the room sound from those two stereo mics from the, you know, from inside the audience, but then you'd also get the close mic of every single instrument. No, not with this one. Two mics, dummy head, middle of the auditorium. Hmm. And what's compelling about this is it accounts for how we hear music in a live setting. Those two mics on either ear simul- simulate how, how, you know, how, that, how we get that stimulate, stimulus into our heads. Because we've got, when you listen to stuff, when you listen to a stereo recording, you're not taking account the fact that you have distance between your two ears, your head. So it doesn't sound, you're not actually experiencing like it you would sure. live. You don't have that, that missing space there. And by, so because of the way our ears are positioned, sound hits each ear at different times. It's called phase. Um, you know, it's by a very small fraction of a second, but right. it's still different and also different, different um, volume levels too. So, you know, sound from the left side of the stage is going to be slightly later in your right ear and slightly softer in your right ear. Right. Saying, you know, and vice versa too. So I fucking, so it, <laughs> The hard part with recording this way is you really need to listen to it in headphones to get the experience. But I did. I listened. Uh, the album that she she did was called Stripped, and she played it live, uh, recorded uh, binaurally, just like I, I mentioned with a dummy in the middle of the fucking auditorium. Mm-hmm. I listened to it today, and it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's remarkable. It's exact, and it, it it's exactly like she should be. She's singing kind of. Um, she's singing. Uh, I think there's a few jazz standards on there and she's singing some pop songs in a jazz form. Like I try, I just, I just played for you. I'm shocked she brought that nugget out. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to sell the album, yeah, I think so. but she also did nothing else matters. The Metallica song, which is, oh, uh, okay. which is cool. Yeah. Uh, rendition, um, redemption song, which is a, um, Bob Marley song. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. But also other standards too. And, and it sounds good. Like I close my eyes with my head and I'm listening through Spotify. That's not the best way to do it. You'd want it on a, you know, a, You'd want it on a CD probably for to get a better result. But even through Spotify with all the compression that they do, right. through my headphones, yeah. it's still like you, it puts you in that place. You close your eyes and you're like, holy shit. It gives you sort of a three-dimensional feel for the room, which is not what we're used to at all when we're listening to music, you know, particularly like headphones through our fucking iPhone or something. And, uh, and I really like it. So I, I would highly recommend people check out that album. Uh, stripped, stripped. Yeah, but just you know, listen to it in headphones and just just close your eyes and you'll it'll put you there. Okay, I really, I really do liked it. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't really explored. And actually, that so binaural recording has sort of paved the way for three dimensional audio and IMAX 
um, too. Like okay. they, they really yeah. tried to replicate that sound so that when you're in an IMAX theater, you're healing, you're hearing yeah, it's kind of everything going on. It's a whole on. different experience. Whole different experience. So, um, you know, I try kind of a mediocre song, but uh, strip the album. Thumbs up. You're, I walk and I stumble. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. She does that crazy. A, if you watch the video, there's a great shot. Uh, I like the video. I think more. I like the video more than the song. It's not bad. Um, but there's a shot of her. It's uh, must be around like 49th Street, 50th Street on the east side. Yeah. She gets in the subway. And it's true. Uh, she's going down. It looks like she's going down for a very long time. Uh, like on this escalator. Yeah. It looks like she... That is the longest. They, they. It's a fraction of what it is. That is, you feel like you're going down forever. It is a wild. I'm surprised more people don't use that shot because it's, it's very odd. I remember even like being living in New York and going down that subway because my ex-wife worked near there. Yeah. So I sometimes be in that neighborhood and um to just go down like that. So like you, I'm like, why isn't this? You, yeah. it's, it's so unique. You feel like you're going like down into like hell. Like you just like you, and it's such a long, steep. Right, drop, but they show it a little bit in that in that video. I'll have to go back and look okay. at it again. That's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else with Macy Gray? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, she's a one hit wonder. She's got a funny voice and she sounds she's crazy. <laughs> right. I like the Barnoral stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I try yeah. to bring. That's a good. That's good. Bit. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're good for her too. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah for her to, to branch yeah. out and doing something. Want to try something different? Yeah. yeah. And it's really, it really is perfect for her. That's the setting that she should be singing. That's her. That's like what her voice can do. So, okay. Uh, one of the worst six months of my life. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, so this is my senior year of college and, um, you, so I have a music education degree, which I may have mentioned before. It's fucking, it's fucking crazy. But if you're a music education major, you have to take more class at the university of New Hampshire. You have to take more classes than any other major. It's fucked up Mm. because you have to take all of your, um, gen eds, and then you have to take like all sorts of, you know, normal like music theory and, and, uh, and history and ear training and that type of stuff. But you also have to take, you, you have a, an instrument that you're performing on. So you have to take lessons for that and you have to practice for that. Uh, and you also have to be in at least one performing ensemble, which meets, you know, three days a week, just like every wow. other class. Yep. So uh, some of the semesters I was taking seven or eight classes, mm. which the That's normal suite is four. So, and it's not like these classes are less demanding or take less time. No, they're fucking just as, you know, three times a week if it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or twice a week if it's Tuesday, Thursday, just like all the other other ones. So you you were going for your music education degree. Did I say that right? Yeah. So you, was it planned to be a music teacher like in schools, like in like elementary schools and stuff? Yeah. So high schools? I I mean, out of high school, I was like, oh, I'll teach music because I'm good at it and I like to teach. I like to teach. And you like to talk about music? I do. I really do. And I had a fantastic, you know, I had a fantastic uh, music teacher through high school, uh, David Bresnahan, great guy, like hugely influential in my life. So it's like, I I can do this. But I also wanted to play and write and I was like, I could kind of do both. Mr. Holland's open. Mr. Holland's open. This is why you don't like the movie. It's it's, it's (laughs) your life. It could have been your life. Yeah. I knew pretty, I knew, hmm. I knew pretty, I, I knew I could always teach if I wanted to, but the thought of going and teaching at like a high school or something was kind of died to me pretty much halfway through my degree, but it's still a means to an end because, you know, not only taking all those classes that I, that I was telling you before, but I also had to learn every instrument too. And it's one of the reasons why I can kind of pick up, I mean, I'm not awesome on every instrument, but, but I could practice it and play. So if I wanted to play a trumpet on an album that I created, I could definitely figure right. out and do it. Okay. So that was all good too. I was, I'm really happy that happy that I had that, that background, but, but the, I, you know, by then I was getting really, um, 
about public education. Like, you know, I had to take some, I, I was in some school, some elementary, like throughout college, I was, I was doing a little bit of teaching here, here and there. And just kind of seeing, you don't make a lot of money and there's a lot of hassle. It's most of the bureaucracy is what fucking sucks. It's just, there's, you know, there's all, there's a lot of rules and you got to always keep in mind a lot of stuff. And it's not just about teaching kids music, which right, is right. what I like. So, but in your senior year, um, second half, second half of your senior year, you are in a school full time. So this is when you do your student teaching. Oh, okay. All right. And I was in Exeter high school and it was fucking horrible. Um, first of all, so this was the most I'd worked in my entire life. So I had a full, I was there full time as a student teaching. So I was there, you know, from, I don't know, seven o'clock in the morning until three o'clock in the afternoon, just like any other school teacher. Plus you have stuff after you got to do. Then I was also working a full-time job as at Gary's Beverages in Portsmouth. Yep. Um, so I would go right from school to work, work till 12 o'clock at night, um, come home, try to unwind, like smoke some weed or something, try to fucking unwind. Because you can't go to bed right after you've had a day like that. It just, that yeah. would be so depressing. So then I'm up until, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning. And then I got to get up. Um, I was living in Dover and the commute to Exeter was really tough. It's about a 45 minute drive. So I'd have to, you know, to get there by seven or something, I'd have to leave at like 6.15. So I'm up at 5.30 and just, you know, I'm getting between four and five hours of sleep at night. And I, I got really burned. This, this crushed me uh, by the end of this. So there's that. And I, I'd never had a, I did not have a day off through this time because I was either work, I would either doing doubles Plus, I was taking classes, too. I had to take two or three classes at um, at UNH during this time, too. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you you know, you got to, like, ch- it's just student teaching is fucking rough, especially if you're pay- kind of paying, if you're paying your way, which I was. So, I, um, so, th- so I'm not feeling good. The whole thing sucks. But then there's <sighs> the extra high school as a place. So, they, re- they rebuilt the high school, I think. There's a new high school since then. But 20 years ago when I was doing this, it was a very old, oh, no, it's dilapidated yeah. Yeah. piece of shit school. Yeah. Felt like the fucking Iron Curtain. Oh, wow. Um, oh, no. yeah. You know, like so, like a lot of older school building, buildings yeah. feel like. It does feel like you're in fucking communist Russia or something. It's just the style. I don't know if it's like goth. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's just that style is really depressing. Not a lot of windows. And the experience had changed. I mean, I don't know if it was just, so I was in Manchester schools not long before this Manchester, you know, central high school when I'm 18 years old is only three or four years before this. It wasn't a big time frame right. And Manchester. You would think would be like a more, a, like a more strict. There'd be, you know, it's a bigger city. There's, there's be more violence, that type of stuff. I didn't really experience that at central. I mean, I know there was some fight. Sometimes one person got knifed one time, which is not good. Of course, but for a school of 2000, you know, in the course of four years, there wasn't a lot of right. that. Like, people, it was pretty cool, pretty chill. Not so in Exeter High School. It was a lot more dangerous. <laughs> really? There, yeah, I saw co- I saw way more cops um, at, at Exeter than I ever did at, at Manchester Central. Exeter, meanwhile, is a very wealthy town. Yes, I didn't get it at all. It, it made no sense. Yeah, I think it, it probably has changed, I imagine, yeah. since then. Maybe? I, I don't know. But I've only heard good things about Exeter High School. We, we, consider, we consider moving to Exeter. Okay, so maybe maybe yeah. maybe it's maybe it was about the school. I don't know, or maybe people retired, but it was just not like it was very authoritarian. I had a lot of freedom um, at high school in Central. I I talked about before being able to like leave campus, yeah. and it was a campus feel. There were multiple buildings, but I could go like across the street and grab lunch and kind of hang out and then come back to class. Right. People were like left you alone if you were if you were a good kid, you got good grades, you didn't cause trouble. Like you were you were let you know. This was that was not the case at Exeter. Very authoritarian. Um, had very punctual, like it was, it was kind of tough, but then the worst part 
was, I, so <laughs> there were two, the two music teachers that I had to deal with were, um, hated each other. So one was, I'm, I won't use her name, real yeah. name. I'm going to call it Mr. Smith and Mr. Bud. So uh, Mr. Smith was like kind of towards getting towards He was like the senior guy. He was in his, I don't know, late fifties. Mr. Bud was in maybe his early thirties. It's funny how he seems so old to me now when like I'm older than fucking he was at the time. But uh, so you had the old guy, Mr. Smith, who was, who was like basically getting ready to retire. Right. And he's mailing it in. And you got Mr. Bud, who's a newer guy, but he's a lazy fuck, good musician, but a lazy fuck. And he's mailing it in and they hate each other probably because they both see that each other are mailing it in and no one's taking steps. They're trying, they're like sort of pushing responsibility on each other. I had to be I, like, I was the go between between these motherfuckers. They were, they were waging this like passive aggressive warfare against each other. It, Mr. Bud would be like, go tell Mr. Bud that, you know, we're, we're you know, make sure we're doing Merrill, uh, parallel fifths in his history or his theory class today. Uh, like, okay, fine. So I go talk and then Mr. Bud would send me back to Mr. Smith and say, right. Oh, uh, you know, Hey, um, let Mr. Smith know that, you know, we're five, we're five, still five, we're five weeks out from the, from the concert and the flute section's not, you know, keeping up yet. Like that type of shit back and forth, back and forth. And then I'd be in these classes, like at least, um, the elder guy, Mr. Smith, he had a, Mr. Smith, he had, he had some sense of responsibility. So he was teaching stuff. Dude, I would go, <laughs> Mr. Bud would be teaching, um, jazz, uh, like a jazz improv class. And normally when you teach a jazz improv class, you, you have a band set up and, um, and you would learn a chart. So you would learn how to play, you know, this, this jazz standard chart, everybody on their instruments. And then you would learn like the scales associated with it and you would practice those things. And then you would also, and then you would learn how to take solos, but everybody would be supporting each other and taking solos. No, in this class, we were all on these weird like Casio tone keyboards and some people, we were like sitting on the floor in this room. It wasn't this jazz, it wasn't a jazz band setup. No one's on drums. No one's, And you know, some people were in uh, on guitars and amps or whatever, but he would just play the song on you know, like the, the CD of the song. And then we would take turns improving to it, but without the, the structure underneath of learn, learn the chart, learn how to play the chart, learn the chord progressions, learn the scales associated with it. it was, it wasn't that he just wanted to goof off for 45 minutes in this class. And I, and so this whole time I'm like, this is a fucking way this six months. This is a fucking waste of life for me. And I'm like the go between between these motherfuckers and like, they're not teaching anybody. It's I, I, hated it. My, um, my like advisors ended up pulling me out of, uh, of, of student teaching last like month of school there. I'm like, cause I kept telling them, I'm like, what is, and they would come in and like watch it too. And they're like, yeah, this is not, this is not, this is a, fucking, so what the hell this you a do? fucked up. They actually ended up putting, so, um, the band director at Oyster river high school was going on paternity leave oh, kind of okay. any, any minute. Yeah. And, uh, so they put me in there and it was Night and day, oh, like good. trust it, like yeah. good guy, best interest of the kids, teaching him shit, but it was fun. The kids loved it. Uh, and yeah, so I got to, so he went, he, I ended up um, teaching his classes for two weeks while he was on paternity leave and it was way better, like night and day situation. And that's how I ended my, uh, uh, that student teaching. I, I didn't even like, they pulled me out. I didn't even like participate in like the year end concerts or anything at extra high school. It was so it was like such a fucking weird shitty situation. Um, hmm. But I had a lot more fun at, uh, at Oyster River. So that, so this is just a terrible time in my life. Cause I'm so depressed every day, fucking getting up early after working into, you know, working so late and not getting a lot of sleep, going to this stupid place hmm. and student teaching. That's where I was. Um, 
Sad story. But I'm glad it worked out. Did it, though? Uh, did it? It did. Uh, May 7th, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. died. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. died at 90. Um, you might know his father, Douglas Fairbanks Sr., Douglas Fairbanks. He's the guy that created United Artists with Charlie mm-hmm. Chaplin, Mary Pickford. Yeah. Uh, in the 20s, he's one of the biggest stars of all time. I have him on my Best Actor Hall of Fame. Um, his son, though, had a, had a pretty good, interesting life and like kind of gets forgotten about. Like He was a child actor. Um, he was a huge star in the 30s. Like, a big, like He was such a big star, he could pick his own director and like mm. casting. Interesting. Like, he was a huge star. And then he was a World War II veteran. Oh. Uh, and he earned a silver star for Valor. And when he came back from the war, movies had changed like, and what he could bring to the table. Plus, he was a little older, like, and then he kind of just fell out of favor. And sure. He's kind of lived the rest of his life. I guess he wrote a, a pretty good biography. I haven't read it. Um, but uh, I was reading some quotes. Like, this guy seems like a pretty, uh, for as much as someone could be, like a, with his success or his weird lineage, um, like, more of a down-to-earth, like, kind of a self-effacing guy yeah. to some extent. Um, and, um, yeah, he died at 90, which is his dad died pretty young. Um, his dad died in the, in the thirties, I believe he died in, like when he was like in his fifties, uh, but in the 1930s. And, uh, so it's like, you know, Fairbanks legacy of Don into the year 2000, which is crazy. May 7, 2000. Nice guy dies. Yeah. Nice guy dies. Yeah. yeah right. Decent guy, but he, but a huge star. That's I mean, a great headline. I mean, great right. job. I don't know if he's a nice, you don't like that headline. What the fuck? Who, who knows any of these people? Douglas Fairbanks. You're the only one who's interested in the Hall of Fame from the early part of the 1900s. Oh, it has to, you have to put people in. I mean, it, it, it existed. I mean, you don't have to. You could just ignore it. Well, it happened. It did happen. No, nice guy died. I don't know about that. I think I just talked, explained he was a huge movie star in the 1930s and child actor. Yeah, I'm sorry, doesn't, get a lot of applause doesn't intrigue that. you? <laughs> All right, man. Sorry, I didn't have enough fucking space. I think you're trying to be funny, like to mock my headlines when I mock yours. Is that what you're trying to do? Well, you could call it out when it is funny too. Yes. Okay. Uh, May 10th, Rudy Giuliani separates from his second wife, Donna Hanover. Yeah. He's undergoing prostate cancer treatment at the time and said he will rely on, quote unquote, his good friend, Judith Nathan. Judith Nathan uh, would eventually yeah. become his wife. Right. He, he Third actually wife. just divorced last year. Um, Hanover was, awar- so Hanover, his second wife, was awarded custody of both kids <laughs> and almost $7 million in the divorce settlement. Um, <laughs> oh, what happened was a week earlier, Giuliani was spotted by some tabloid photographers having a very cozy dinner with Ms. Nathan. Yeah. His soon to be third wife. Um, it sounded like him and Donna Hanover, they had been basically living separate lives for a while. But it wasn't in the news yet. Right. And Donna Hanover did kind of play the, she played all the right cards. I think she was like, Oh, I, I want to be with Rudy. He's rejecting me. I definitely played a, the mm. sad sack, right. which maybe it yeah, did. Ha- I don't think it was like, she made it sound like it was happening in real time. Like it sounds like based on that had maybe happened a couple of years ago. Sure. But, um, and maybe they would, they would just kind of live because he remember he's still the mayor, uh, but his term would be over in a year and a half, no matter what. So it sounded like they were kind of just playing out the string and right. the top, unfortunately, Rudy, I guess couldn't help but go out on a date with this woman. <sighs> Um, and it cost him $7 million. It probably wouldn't have been as bad if it hadn't been oh, so no public. Way. No way. I mean, to she, lose both of your kids and $7 million. That's quite a take. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think there was some real uh, evidence that he had been cheating on, on her. And remember his first wife was his second cousin. Right. Um, which it sounds like maybe you didn't know it at the time, but I don't know. That seems how like, do you not, how do you know? not know that? Uh, like when you go to a family reunion and you meet someone you reco- and you re- everyone's recognizing the same people, like it <laughs> might be a, a tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, bad bad day for Rudy. Uh, and you know, this is it also just a reminder, like before nine. So that time between like now and nine eleven, Rudy wasn't as 
It wasn't like Rudy was like the most faint, most loved guy in the world. No, he uh, was for his a, first term. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that second term had some real uh, going on. Yeah, including this story. This really painted in a very negative light. People were very disappointed. Um, people really felt kind of slighted. But then when 9-11 happened, then obviously... He's America's mayor. Right. Yeah. But between like May and September, May 2000, September 2001, he, he wasn't beloved by everybody. Yeah. Um, I did want to go over the, uh, the movie uh, chart here for this week. Oh, sure. Number one was Gladiator. Yeah. We talked about it. It was a huge... Oh, what did it mean? It's like 400 million or something. Yeah, uh, worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it made over 200 domestic, which is pretty amazing. Um, this movie, you know, we're in May... This won the Oscar, which once again, it's pretty rare that a movie that's kind of a summer blockbuster wins the Oscar. But once again, it's a really weird time in life. And it was a really weird time for movies. Uh, number two is the movie we're covering uh, on Saturday, Battlefield Earth. Wait, that was number two at the box office? It's opening weekend. Oh, Travolta. I mean, you figure we'll go out and see it. Oh. You know, the buzz hadn't gone out. It, it immediately dropped. It must have. Yeah, second week must have been I think been it was dead. only in the top 10 for like two weeks. So then by three weeks, you know, two weeks later, it's, it's gone. I gotta, tell you, I gotta tell you our next episode like I well, it's, just it's Battlefield Earth and, and Santana which we've already said we both don't Maria, like Santana. Maria. yeah I mean this might be like I've never seen Battlefield Earth so I'm gonna go in there with <laughs> give it the best you know be fair about it I'm gonna try not to be negative so I'm a sci-fi guy and I had no interest in this film when it came out when when uh, yeah I didn't I but I and I ended up watching it years later because I'm I kind of I felt like I had to. Well, don't no spoilers on you. I won't take give it. any spoilers. Uh, Travolta, I like Barry Pepper. He's in it. So I was like, oh, Barry Pepper. You know, he's from St. Private Ryan. Uh, yeah, I'm like, oh. 13th hour? 25th hour? What is it? Oh, 25th hour, yeah. 25th hour? Another Barry Pepper. Very good movie. I know. Um, it's Spike Lee's best movie. Um, number three was U571. I feel like it's the only sub movie we haven't hit. Yep. Uh, number four is Frequency, which we're doing our Patreon show. Uh, number five is the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Is that their second one? It's the sequel with yes. uh, Goodman. And I don't think Goodman's in it though. I think it's different. I think it's Tom Arnold or something. It's like it's oh, a really. That's like the weird. first one had Goodman and Rick Moranis. This does not. This is like uh, Stephen Baldwin oh, and like no. yeah, it's not good. Oh no. Uh, six is Center Stage. That's a. It. Uh, it's a dance movie. Um, my sister thinks it's great. Okay. Like, it was you know anybody else that you know. Can you remember I think anybody? there is. I think it might be the, uh, what's the woman? Ah, oh, Christ. Uh, was it Zoe Saldana? Who's Sal, that? Sal, uh, Am I saying yeah. her name right? Saldana? I think it might be her like debut movie. Oh, really? Yeah, something like that. Mm. I could be wrong. I don't remember either. Seven is Where the Heart Is. I don't remember that at all. Eight is Screwed. Don't, Another, no, yeah. Nine is Love and Basketball. I know that was a yeah. big movie among for teens, I think, of that time. Yeah. And number 10 is another movie I don't know, Held Up. So you can see, even though it's like May... Yeah, it, blockbuster time period. And, not a, a lot and you of got movies Battlefield Earth is your second blockbuster? Well, I mean, you think about it. Though, if you're the studio putting that out, you're hoping. Sci-fi, <sighs> big budget, John Travolta, you, you think that's a hit. You don't know. You know what I mean? When you're putting the schedule together. <laughs> yeah. When you're just looking at just yeah, the, I, I, the bare yeah. bones of it, you're like, all right, well, you know, this is not Gladiator's opening weekend. So you figure, all right, what's going to be the big... Because you know, sure. that's what happens. The studios, this is how it works. Studios look at a calendar and then they start putting in dates in like a year in advance. And they're basically kind of like reserving that date. In other words, like, hey like Warner Brothers might say, we have a big movie coming out the second week of May. And then like Universal and Paramount are going to be like, well, we'll maybe we'll put our movie the third week of May right. instead. You know, yeah. they don't want to, uh, you know, unless it's a holiday, like Memorial Day or Christmas, you don't want to front load a weekend. Sure. Because um, you want to have as little competition as possible. So your movie gets as many Makes eyeballs. Sense. So this really was Battlefield Earth's weekend, <laughs> which a year earlier would have made sense. But then, you, you know, when you see what happened, and also might lend itself to why Gladiator 
was such a big movie too because it almost got like another oh, like, couple weekends. Yeah, where are we gonna go? What are we gonna see? Right. right. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe I'll go see Gladiator again, or maybe I'll I'll give this Gladiator movie a chance because there's nothing else to see. Yeah. Um. Good point. Uh. So that that might have been what kind of buoyed its success. Other than obviously it had a incredible, you know, won five Oscars. Like that's yeah, yeah. That's pretty Im- impressive. Um. So we're back on Saturday with Battlefield, Battlefield Earth and Earth Maria and Maria by Santana. By Santana. All right. Could be a could be a could be an episode. Um, and that's it. Full suite of, uh, shows, even though it's Christmas week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're not going anywhere. Um, so, um, we'll be full suite of shows, uh, Christmas and then we're full suite of shows for New Year's Eve week as well. Yeah. So, uh, regular schedule for us. We'll keep on trucking. All right. See you.